Thanks, Joe. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you all here today. Um, I'm up here today um, on behalf of the missions team. And as you probably know, at the start of this year, uh, this new missions team was formed, um, consisting of myself, Ronnie, Mike and Marguerite. And we've met a few times over this year to consider... Uh, what we're doing as a church around the world, and uh, and it's been a great chance to, I guess, chat about these things and pray and think, um, you know, what are we doing as a church uh, for missions? So today I'm just going to share a few thoughts, and really what I'm going to do is start with a, a picture of the whole world and see where uh, Christianity is up to in the world. Um, we know that Jesus said, uh, in the Great Commission, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And this has been happening for the last 2,000 years. But where are we up to? What's actually the bigger picture in the world? So I'm going to show a video in just a minute, which gives us a bit of um, some statistics and a, and a few details about the global mission task and where it's up to. Then what I'm going to do is uh, zoom in a little bit to have a look at what the CRC uh, movement is, is doing in the world and what their vision is. And then I'm going to focus in on our church and how we fit into that. So hopefully today it's informative. Um, we're going to be directing you to directing your attention to some websites, which um, have got some really great resources and information if you'd like to have a look at them later in your own time. So we'll start with this video. Thanks, Dave. Understanding the remaining mission task. Who has already heard the good news about Jesus? And who is still waiting to hear for the first time? Nearly 10% of the world's population are committed followers of Jesus, who believe Jesus is who he said he is, and who have given their lives to him. They believe anyone can know God through Jesus, and they tell people around them about him. Many other people also identify as Christians. These other Christians need deeper faith in Jesus and a personal relationship with God through Him. About 33% of the world's population identify themselves as Christians. But where do the world's Christians live? The good news of Jesus is spreading in the world, but not evenly. First, let's divide the world into regions by population, then show where the Christians live. Two countries, India and China, each have one-fifth of the world's population, so they will get their own section. The Muslim-majority countries also get their own section because they are similar to each other. There are other Asian countries and other non-Muslim-majority countries in Africa. Here is Europe's population, and North America lumped with all the Pacific Island countries, including Australia and New Zealand. And finally, Latin America from Mexico South. In each region, let's show the followers of Jesus and the others who identify themselves as Christians. Latin America has the highest total percentage of Christians, followed by North America and the Pacific. Europe has many nominal Christians, while non-Muslim Africa has many committed followers of Jesus. Today, China has also many committed followers of Jesus. Other Asian countries average about one-third Christian, including Korea and the Philippines. Some Muslim-majority countries have had Christian people groups for centuries. Of all the large areas of the world, India has the lowest percentage of Christians. 
As you can see, the Christians are not evenly spread around the world. Today, most Christians live in the Americas, Europe, or Sub-Saharan Africa. In each region, the committed followers of Jesus can renew the faith of the other Christians and can tell the non-believers in their own people groups about Jesus. Let's call these people culturally near non-believers and show them as green. These non-believers are their relatives, neighbors, and co-workers who speak, eat, and dress like them. In China, hundreds of millions of non-believers are now culturally near to followers of Jesus. 40% of the world's non-believers have many Christians in their own people groups who can reach out to them without learning a new language or culture. So their groups are called reached people groups because the good news is spreading there. Believers in China have a challenging job to share the gospel with so many non-believing relatives and neighbors, yet thankfully they can do it in their own language. In the reached people groups, committed followers of Jesus can encourage the other Christians in their families and communities to become fully committed to Jesus. They can also tell the many culturally near non-believers in their own people group about Jesus without learning a new language and culture. Many people in the world live in other ethnic groups, which have almost no followers of Jesus who belong in their communities and know their language. They have no chance of learning about new life in Jesus from someone within their own people groups. 60% of all non-believers in the world have few followers of Jesus in their own people group. They are culturally distant from believers. Let's show these culturally distant non-believers in blue. Most of them live in India, Muslim-majority countries in Africa and Asia, or other parts of Asia. They need believers from other people groups to come learn their language and culture and tell them about Jesus. They live in unreached people groups. Distinct ethno-linguistic people groups made up of less than 2% followers of Jesus and less than 5% other Christians. Which unreached people groups are the frontier peoples? Some culturally distant non-believers have so few believers that they have no chance of hearing about Jesus from people they know. Let's use a darker color of blue to show those with less than 0.1% Christian in their own people group. About one-fourth of the world's population live in frontier people groups, and over 95% of them are in India and Muslim-majority countries. These frontier people groups have no movement to Christ and no breakthrough of indigenous faith. Now is the time to unite what we know with what we do. So, we know that the reached people groups have lots of followers of Jesus who can tell them about Jesus. But guess what? We send 30 times as many cross-cultural Christian workers to them as we do to the people in unreached people groups. 30 to 1! These workers are not just going out from the West. They're going from everywhere to everywhere. But most of them are sent to work with other churches in their training or outreach programs. Currently, for every 30 cross-cultural Christian workers that go to the reached people groups of the world, roughly one goes to the unreached people groups, including the frontier people groups. As a result, the needs of people in unreached people groups, especially those in frontier people groups, are being grossly overlooked. The remaining mission task is largely in India, Muslim-majority countries, and Asia. 
We need many more witnesses for culturally distant non-believers in unreached people groups and in frontier people groups. The frontier peoples are still waiting to hear about Jesus for the first time. This is the mission mobilization challenge of our generation. Okay, so I wonder what what you took away from that. Um, a lot of facts, a lot of information, and um, I'm sure if I have a chat with some of you afterwards, you come up to me and say, oh, wow, I didn't realise this, or I didn't realise that. Um, it is amazing when we actually take a step back and have a look at the world around us. Um, I'm not going to comment too much on that, but a couple of things I, I will say is that I think sometimes um, in our modern world where we're also connected to each other, we're all on the internet, and it's kind of this feel of one global village that perhaps sometimes people have this kind of idea in their brain that, you know, a missionary is this, this white person or maybe English or American person or family who go out into the, to the African desert or maybe into the Amazonian jungles and they're hacking their way through with their blade. But really that's, that's a picture from the past. And nowadays we've got people from every country just about going to just about every country. It's, it's a very different picture than it was 100 years ago. I think a, cu- a couple of points I took away from that little video was that there is a need for Christian witness in every region of the world, including here. And here we have um, thousands, if not millions, of culturally near non-believers. We don't have to learn another language to go and, and talk to your neighbour or you know, anyone that's nearby, we, it's not, we don't have all these barriers in place, which is a wonderful thing. Um, so there's a need for Christian witness everywhere. But like that little um, infographic showed, um, there are still huge amounts of people who are culturally distant, and that is that there isn't somebody nearby, a neighbour, a relative or friend, who can speak with them in their own language and, and be a Christian witness. There's just millions of these people that we don't really think about very much in our day-to-day. So there is still a need for people to reach across language and cultural barriers to be able to share the good news of Jesus with those who have not heard. Now this might look like maybe a Chinese believer making a conscious decision to move further inland into China to go to an area where people speak a bit differently and they dress differently but with the intention of church planting. Or it could be a believer from Uganda who decides that he's going to move to northern India because he wants to be sharing the gospel with the millions of people there that just don't even hear about Jesus in their day-to-day lives. Or it could look like a Korean missionary family settling in eastern Turkey. I've met a number of them, and uh, they do amazing things. The, the Koreans in the last 100 years have just exploded around the world. And you can't go to any country in, in mission circles without the Korean people being there and, uh, and really just laying down their lives for the gospel wherever they are. Um, very dedicated. So I said, this is the mission mobilization challenge of our generation. So this is a massive and global scale that I've started with. But what I want to do now is focus on what our CRC uh, movement, of which this church is a part, is doing regarding this global mission. 
I'm going to be showing you uh, some of the websites that are accessible. And the first one is the CRC Missions International uh, website. So this is, if you go to the CRC website, it directs you to this separate whole site to do with missions. And the uh, welcome page looks like this. Go and make disciples of all nations. If we click onto the vision of the web page, there is a vision in the CRC church to have a ministry presence in every nation of the world by the year 2045. This means effective ongoing ministry involvement in every nation aimed toward fulfilling the great commission of Jesus. So that's a massive vision. That's a huge vision. Uh, you think about how many nations there are in the world. And, uh, and then on top of that, nations get broken down into, into people groups. And so I guess this is a broad vision at the top level. And as it goes further down, you, you'd need to think a bit more about the actual people groups that are being focused on. Some dot points there about the mission. Exalting Jesus Christ in all that we think, say and do to extend his influence around the world by proclaiming Christ's gospel with the expectation that supernatural signs will follow as the normal New Testament pattern. And I think that's really exciting. Um, sometimes we forget that that is kind of the, the normal New Testament pattern, that people are going out, preaching the gospel to people that never heard before, and they're like, why should we believe this? And then they're like, well, you know, bring this person along, we'll heal them, and then people start to pay attention. So I'm not going to go through all this. I'm going to keep moving, but just to let you know that the CRC Missions International does have this vision and this mission. There's also a couple of infographics about where are they up to. This was from 2016. So back in 2016, the stats were that there was 37 nations visited regularly, 17 visited occasionally, 10 adopted but not yet visited, four that received money only, totaling 69. So I'm sure that that number's gone up a little bit in, in recent times, but that's kind of where it's up to. So think about how many nations there are. If you've ever been watching the Olympic parade and, you know, the 200 or so, it's, it's quite a long way to go. Having a look at where the CRC is active currently or where the most churches are uh, outside of Australia, we're talking about PNG, Philippines, India, Fiji, Uganda, Vanuatu, and other countries as well. But these are the, the most popular, um, popular in 2016. And there's, uh, there's more infographics on the website which you can have a look at, uh, which just kind of show the spread of where the Australian CRC churches are involved in global missions. Another thing I came across when I was looking at the website was um, the Pulse magazine. So this is the CRC Missions quarterly magazine which they put out and just amazing to see all the things that are happening and just have a quick look at it. This was um, uh, articles about what different churches in Australia are doing and as I was having a look through it, I came across this one. Uh, this is the most recent Pulse magazine talking about the Myanmar project. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, Myanmar, okay, that sounds familiar. And uh, having a look at it, it was talking about the Port Life Church and the way that they support and are involved with uh, Pastor Andrew, the very same Pastor Andrew who we support. Uh, but they 
tend to focus more on the Faith Bible Church and also uh, looking at um, a children's home that, that's been running for a short time. So we probably don't think of ourselves as in partnership with Port Life Church very much, but we are in fact uh, both supporting the same people. And I think this comes out of the, the work from uh, Barry Silverback and Kevin Hughes when they were first getting to know Pastor Andrew, realising that he's a, a trustworthy and good man who can be trusted uh, with our support. And uh, he's been here before. And so great to sort of read in this magazine about um, what Port Life and Portside Christian School as well are involved in uh, supporting and encouraging the work in Myanmar through Pastor Andrew and his church. So from there, I continued my look around the internet and came across the Hills Christian uh, CFC website. And so on our website, uh, if you go to the mission section, it talks about the fact that we support and are dedicated to the vision of CRC Churches International to have a presence in every nation by the year of our centenary in 2045. So we're a part of that vision. And it talks about um, Myanmar, Sri Lanka, and, uh, and the things that we support as a church. From here, if you've never actually had a look at this, I encourage you, next time you're just on your computer having a look around, hop onto the website, have a look. Pastor Andrew himself has got his own website. And so if you want to know, like we, we're encouraging all the time to be giving and to be praying for Pastor Andrew and the work that he's doing, hop onto his website, the Faith Bible Mission website, and you can learn about uh, what he's doing, who he is, his background, and I really encourage you to do that. So he talks a bit about uh, when his church was started back in 1999 in Mandalay, and he talks about his vision. So his vision is to plant 100 new churches in Myanmar by 2025. Well, I wonder where he's up to with that exactly. I don't know exactly. But 2025 is coming pretty soon. But, as we'll see in a minute, he has made some progress in that direction. His vision is to train, and he's been doing that through the Shiloh Bible College and the Evangelism and Discipleship Training School. And these are the main ministries that we support from here at Blackwood. He wants to send out 100 missionaries in Myanmar, as well as in neighbouring countries, and to conduct conferences and seminars. So looking on his website, um, and this is just on a PowerPoint so I can't scroll down, but he does show uh, a number of um, people that have gone out from his um, training uh, Bible school and also from the Evangelism Discipleship School and gone out and actually started churches in different areas of Myanmar. So he is actually doing what he's setting out to do. And that scrolls down for quite a way. You'll see there's probably about 10 or 11 different families and and individuals who have gone out in the previous years. So our church has really been focusing on Myanmar. Um, And like I said, the Shiloh Bible College and the Evangelism Discipleship Training School have been the focuses uh, for that part of our missions. A couple of photos that I did show last time I was up here a few months ago. Uh, There's Pastor Jeremy. So Jeremy um, Steele... We support his travel a little bit and he has been in Myanmar recently with David Bland and uh, as a part of that school. 
Um, Jeremy actually sent me a whole lot of resources, photos and videos of the work that him and Pastor Barry Silverback have been involved in in India. And uh, I'm not going to show them right now for time, but I was really encouraged that, you know, they're doing a lot of uh, things in India and they're seeing a lot of good good things happening. And when we look at that video we saw before, India is such a, a massive place with such a huge need. It's encouraging that we are kind of a part of what's happening in India through Jeremy and through Pastor Barry Silverback. As you know, we also support GraceWorks and um, we love having Peter Simmons come and join us and he was here just recently uh, with another lady who works with them and she was sharing about her work. Um, and so GraceWorks is another great um, thing that we're involved with and we have people in our own congregation here on the board. So Ben Muller is um, chairman of the board and Ronnie is also on the board. So we're going to ask Ronnie now to come and just share a little bit about GraceWorks, give a bit of an update on how Peter Simmons is going as well. Thanks. Thank you, Andrew. Um, firstly, some of you will be aware that Peter Simmons um, was blessed by his family so that Peter, Margaret and Eden could go on a, a cruise recently. Uh, during that cruise, uh, Peter became unwell and ended up in the Athens Hospital and he stayed there for very uh, a few days. He has an irregular heartbeat and uh, heart associated heart problems. So um, I've spoken to him this week. He is um, recovering, has been told to rest. Um, I think Peter struggles with that concept, um, but uh, we've talked about that, um, and his doctor is working with him on the medication, but I certainly ask for your prayers for Peter's health, but also um, that his insurance company will cover the cost of the medical treatment because it is very expensive. They did have insurance, but we know that sometimes some negotiation is required around that, so appreciate your prayers. And the work of Grace Work continues across a number of areas. Education, health, and Andrew's just mentioned Alison's visit. She talked about the work that she's doing with women in, in the health area and community development. Um, another example is that Grace Work trains people in villages around advocacy. And one of the stories that really impressed me was that this particular village uh, was regularly flooded. And when that happens, the people are totally isolated. The children can't go to school. People can't go on about their um, daily business. And, of course, it is dangerous. And as a result of the advocacy training, this the village elders um, felt that they could actually go to the local authorities and they were successful in negotiating uh, for flood mitigation work. So their village uh, no longer floods in the way that it used to, used to, and that's made a huge difference to that community. Another piece of work that Graceworks is doing is peacekeeping. And um, talking recently with them about a program that they are running and they are doing this training, uh, doing training with both Buddhists and Muslims. Now, I can only uh, accept that this work, from what I've heard, is incredibly challenging and confronting. But what they try to do through art is assist people to actually understand the nature of conflict 
get them to understand the role that they are playing in, in that conflict and get them to understand how if they change their attitude and their actions that they can contribute to better outcomes in their community. I just can't help but be uh, feel privileged that, you know, here in safe, you know, comparatively safe and comfortable Blackwood, that we are actually contributing to these sorts of programs in Myanmar. It really encourages me. And finally, um, GraceWorks needs to secure longer-term funding. GraceWorks relies on uh, government um, grants and grants from other uh, areas, but also from churches like us. But for GraceWorks to be viable in the long term, we need to secure additional funding. And so we've commenced work with the Department of uh, Foreign Affairs and Trade to get accreditation from them, which would open up um, additional recurrent funding for GraceWorks. This is uh, not an easy process. Um, I've been doing a little bit of work on it and we think that it's going to be uh, 2022 before we might actually see an outcome. So it's a quite torturous, lengthy government process to go through. But uh, we need to do that because for Grace Work to be sustainable in the long term, we need to have additional um, resources. So just thank you very much. Thanks, Ronnie. So that gives you a bit of an overview of um, some of the things we support. Next Sunday we have our missions offering and it's a time for us to really focus on how we can support these things and give. Um, some of you might have some missions tins at home and so if you've got those tins, we encourage you to bring them back next Sunday and bring them back as full as you can. Um, every single dollar that you can put in there is going towards a fantastic cause and, and people that desperately need our help and it's just a privilege to be able to help in a small way. So... Bring the tins, empty your pockets, chuck it in there. You won't miss it. And um, and that would be fantastic. So just be prepared for that next week. I'm going to finish there. I'm just going to finish by praying. Uh, we'll pray for uh, Pastor Andrew and his leader leadership, um, the, the various people he's serving underneath him. And we'll also pay, pray for Peter Simmons for a good recovery and, uh, and for Graceworks ministry as well. So please just join with me as I, as I close in prayer. Father, thank you that you allow us to, be, to join in with your work around the world. And Lord, when we're all with you, Lord, one day in the future, Lord, we'll be able to look back and just be, uh, just rejoice that we could uh, just partner with you, Lord, and, and doing good in the world and sharing your word in seeing people come to faith, in blessing them in, in ways that are just wonderful, physically, uh, every way that we can help. Lord, I want to pray for Pastor Andrew this morning that you would strengthen him, strengthen his vision, his resolve, fill him with uh, your spirit and revelation and encouragement, Lord, in the long, uh, hard work that he does. We pray for each um, leader underneath him, Lord, that you would just give them uh, just a heart for you, a continued heart for you, Lord, and for your work. And Lord, that you would just continue to bless his vision of seeing people go out from his church and from his training institutions to make an impact in Myanmar. Lord, we pray for Graceworks as well. Lord, pray for their ministry in Myanmar, that Lord, it will continue to grow and flourish. 
We pray that this recurrent funding would come through, Lord, that would see long-term viability and security in that work. Lord, we lift up Peter Simmons. Lord, uh, we pray for your blessing on his health. Lord, that you would restore him quickly and uh, just continue to encourage him, strengthen him, and lift him up, Lord, that he might be uh, your servant and continue to do your work in that nation of Myanmar. Lord, I thank you for this time. I pray that uh, we've just heard something of what's happening in the world. Lord, that we know that we're part of something much bigger than ourselves, much bigger than our day-to-day getting by. But Lord, there's a, a global mission. And Lord, your heart for all people goes on. Lord, I just pray that you just show us how that we can participate in what you want to do in the world. We thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen.